This is Bentley Manning. And this is Kellen Day. This is a podcast brought to you by Church of the Incarnation in Highlands, North Carolina. This is... This is... This is... Empty Pews. Kellen, this is two weeks in a row. Our new record. It's wonderful to be back on the podcast again. Um, a lot kind of has happened since the last podcast. Namely, we had diocesan convention. Yeah, we told you all we were going um, to see presiding bishop michael curry talk at our centennial we did that we're back from that it was wonderful um a parishioner who was a delegate said it was deeply moving and it was deeply moving kellen i think that the primary task the call of any bishop is to be um, a source of unity and it's hard to see that embodied in anyone more than bishop michael curry i think he does a wonderful job um, by virtue of just the gifts that he's been given by God uh, to bring people together, to unite us under a kind of common faith, common conviction. It's really amazing. I was thinking about that. I was like, how does he do this? Like, what is it about him that really does inspire our unity, our um, wanting to be uh, one body together? I, one thing I think is there's an authenticity to, I don't think uh, I've ever heard you use that word before. <laughs> really? Yes. Well, he's got it. He's definitely got it. And part of, I think, that authenticity is that when he teaches, when he preaches about Jesus, you sense that he's experienced something of God's transforming love firsthand. Uh, that, that, to me, is evident, right? You can see, um, you, you can feel um, the passion um, which I think speaks to some firsthand experience, some authority, um, some closeness um, to, to Christ, which is inspiring. Yeah, he also, um, I think, sort of just, like, deliberately addresses the goal of unity without using the language of unity. Um, Like, he talked to us for a while um, on Saturday about relationships across difference. Um, Like, he, you can tell, like, he just doesn't think that, like, difference should be an obstacle to unity. Certainly, it would be an obstacle to conformity. (laughs) But, um he does he doesn't want difference um difference of opinion difference of identity um to keep us apart and of course if if those things um if if we have difference of opinion and belief uh political or otherwise what what rises to the surface i think for anyone gathered together in churches well what is it that holds us together um and it's clear it's evident that bishop curry loves Jesus dearly, and that love is contagious. And it seems to me that he wants us as a church um, to learn the language of the gospel uh, so that we might have um, a common vocabulary and a common witness and love uh, that transcends maybe some of those other differences, uh, something that binds us together. So 
I absolutely think Michael Curry is trying to draw our hearts and attention to the gospel. And I'm also really interested in the ways that we can um, practice and embody his call towards relationships across difference. And I'm wondering about a relationship in your life that feels like it's um, crossing layers and boundaries of difference. And maybe you don't need to be specific about that person, but like what has that taught you or what have you learned from that um, relationship? Um, Kellen, thanks for that question. I've often thought to myself um, that if not for the church, I wouldn't be friends with all these people. All these people meaning the people that we go to church with. And that's not meant to be cutting. Um, but it, I, I don't know of any other place in my life that requires me to be in relationship with people that I might not choose to be in relationship with otherwise. So God has asked me to be friends with people that the world would rather me not talk to. And it's something I think about a lot. It's one of the hardest parts about living in Christian community is that you're required, invited um, to befriend people um, simply because they're part of your family, um, the family of God. And um, it's a struggle. And it's also one of the greatest gifts I think I've been given. Um, and it's an invitation, I think. I think this is the invitation, uh, part of the witness of the church, is that um, some people really struggle with being in the church because, because of that reality, because they have to be in relationship with people and cross a great deal of difference. I think it's one of the greatest gifts the church, the greatest gifts God offers us through the church. What about you, Kellen? How would you answer that question? Well, I agree with you that it's a struggle, <laughs> and so does Bishop Curry, right? Like, he was like, it's hard. It's really hard to um, not just sort of self-select into common-minded, common groups of people. We do it all the time, and I love and um, am frustrated with the church because it is a place where you encounter a variety of humans. But the thing I would say is that... Um, Relationships across difference, I think, help me see, like, the depth and vastness and complexity of the human individual. Um, when I would rather, like, write them off <laughs> because they are uh, somebody I don't agree with or uh, they vote in a particular way or they don't vote in a particular way where they look a certain way or they're from a particular socioeconomic class or whatever whatever the identity marker is that we're going to use to judge another person. Um, if you spend a bit more time with them, that becomes one of the least interesting things about them typically, I think. And you uncover and discover and encounter like God's image in people when you're willing to try to see past those identity markers. Down to all my little children, like being a blessing to people that irk you. 
Or looking out for people who try and hurt you It's easier to love the people in your circle I'd rather be around the ones that help me keep my curfew So when the sun sets on my life I hope the people around me feel like that I love them right Hello neighbor, how are you? Really wanna shower you with love All right, Kellen, this coming Sunday is either the last Sunday after Pentecost or, depending on your churchmanship, the Feast of Christ the King. Um, I'm preaching again on Sunday, um, so I think it's your job, uh, if we keep that order, to summarize the gospel uh, from the 23rd chapter of Luke. In our gospel text, Jesus is hanging on the cross, and... They are casting lots for his clothing, and there are soldiers mocking Jesus, saying, if you're the king of the Jews, just save yourself. Um, There's also the conversation between Jesus and the two criminals hanging beside him, where one is mocking him and the other one is sort of asking Jesus to remember him. Um, And Jesus says to that one criminal, that he will see him in paradise that day. Um, You are preaching again this week, Bentley. Thank you. Um, Do you have a sense if you're going to preach the gospel text or the occasion or um, what are you thinking about with Christ the King coming up? You know, I feel like over the past handful of years, maybe even four years in a row, I've preached Christ the King Sunday. Yeah, I've never preached Christ the King here at Incarnation. Yeah. So I, I'm certain that I'll use the gospel reading. Um, something that's in my mind at the moment um, with Advent at hand is knowing um, that there was a great expectation that the Messiah, uh, the anointed one to come, would be kind of priest par excellence prophet par excellence and king Um, and here we are on Christ the King Sunday and we're given a picture of a king that doesn't look very kingly Um, it's the picture of Jesus on the cross Um, so that's obvious right that's obvious that the kingship of God looks very different um, than the kind of king that we see in the world or throughout history. Yeah, I guess I'm struck in the gospel text about the sort of number of responses um, to Jesus, right? You have these soldiers who who are mocking him. Um, You have the one criminal who's sort of saying like, hey, like get us out of this predicament, like use your uh, power to save us here and now. And then you have the other criminal who sort of like just asks Jesus to remember him. Um, And I don't know if those are like models or uh, ways that we all sort of approach or interact or relate to God at times in our life, but I feel like they are. (laughs) Kellen, I think that's a really, really helpful insight, and I think you're right um, to point out that these are different ways that we uh, relate, respond to God, and that can be a bit unsettling um, 
to see ourselves in those positions. One of the great gifts and graces of this gospel that I think we need to hold on to in the face of that difficult truth that we don't respond to Christ in the right way is that at the very beginning of this gospel reading, Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so Jesus' final act of sacrificial love on the cross is bound up with his gift of forgiveness to all of us, um, and that he can work with our shortcomings and does. Um, And that's what his kingship looks like. It's one that is not ruled with an iron fist, but with arms stretched out, ready to offer us forgiveness uh, despite our faults. So there's this window in our stained glass in the historic chapel. It's the thing you look at if you're looking at the altar. It's right behind the altar. It's the biggest image. And it's this depiction of Jesus, uh, the resurrected Jesus, standing on this small bit of earth. And um, in one of his hands, he's holding the globe. And in the other hand, he um, is offering a sign of peace. And above his head is a crown. Um, And I I was praying morning prayer today, and I was looking at that, and I thought, goodness, like, here, here is an image of Christ the King, right? There's a crown above his head. Um, He is king of the earth and king of all the ages. And what he's doing is is offering peace. Uh, He's offering forgiveness. He's offering mercy. Um, So if you are in Highlands and around, you should come and contemplate that window and pray with it. Here's a prayer. Almighty and everlasting God, whose will it is to restore all things in your well-beloved Son, the King of kings and Lord of lords, mercifully grant that the peoples of the earth, divided and enslaved by sin, may be freed and brought together under his most gracious rule, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
Well, it's been so nice to be with you on this podcast. Um, I hope that you have a happy Thanksgiving next week. I doubt that we'll get a podcast out. Um, but maybe maybe we will. Who knows? But after Thanksgiving, maybe more importantly in the church year, Advent begins. And we have a number of um, opportunities for you to plug in and um, join this community as we prepare for Christ at Christmas. Our normal round of worship will stay in place. Morning prayer, Monday through Thursday in the chapel at 8 o'clock. We'll also have Holy Eucharist on Sundays at 8 a.m. and 10.30 in the main sanctuary. Uh, But this year on the fourth Sunday of Advent, we will, um, for the first time, uh, try something new. Um, We're going to have a service of lessons and carols. Uh, So put that on your calendar now. Um, we've got some other things during the weekday. Yeah, every Wednesday during Advent, we're going to have a service of Holy Eucharist with light, service of light at 530. And um, it's really lovely. Y'all should come. And then we're going to have like a soup supper to follow after that, just for a time of um, fellowship in these dark months. Our Tuesday morning Bible study will continue. And then on Sunday at nine o'clock during our formation series, we're going to be looking at uh, the O Antiphons. Uh, the class is titled "A Song, The Song of Advent. It's a wonderful time uh, together to, to reflect on some of the titles uh, that we uh, see in Hebrew scripture that anticipate the coming of the Messiah. So join us for that as well. In the meantime, know that we love you. God loves you. Peace be with you.